0: This is Manifest Mindset, where we delve into our true passions, inspire the best out of ourselves, and live our life with true intention every single day.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Manifest Mindset, Nick. It's been it's been a while.
0: It's been a long <laughs> time, Bob. Been it's been a long time. Like, yeah, has been like, here, man?
1: Yeah, it's been like uh two, three. A couple months, a few months. Couple out months, there.
0: probably our longest gap in a while.
1: Yeah, a lot of new things have have uh, happened. Um, but I'm, I'm curious. I want to see how you've been, Nick. Don't. Uh, well, I, hopefully this will be an episode where we just catch up, uh, see where we're both at, because um, it, it's been a while, and I look forward to, to talking with you.
0: Absolutely. Um, let me think about it last time. I mean, things are in good overall. as cruising along in the fellowship. Um, We've been having a bunch of classes for that. I've been really enjoying it. Got some big presentations done. Um, been in, enjoying California a lot. Trying to get a little bit of surfing, a little bit of rock climbing in. Uh, oh, just been are you an expert staying... now? I an expert no. Expert
1: in uh, surfing?
0: <laughs> no, not even close.
1: Okay. Not sorry, even, but not even close. Bob but
0: catching a few waves, but very much a rookie in the game right now.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at when when we recorded our last episode. Um, this was in March, so we're in July right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: what is that? What is the four months? Yeah, four months. It's, it's been a while, um, but uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad you're you're, you're hanging out there. So it, it sounds like you're teaching a lot of classes, or you're attending a lot of classes, or what, what's happening with the yeah pr-
0: primarily primarily attending a lot of classes. Um, had a presentation that I gave somewhat recently that went really well. That was fun to do. Um, I yeah, just attending a lot of classes, learning a ton, having some fun with a lot of good people out here. We start our big class out of Australia coming up soon in about two weeks. That's basically a two-semester long course. It'll be about three and a half, four months, starting up pretty soon towards the middle of July here, and then we'll have a semester break, or a short break, and then yeah, this is the second semester of it to finish off the year, so that'll keep us real busy for sure.
1: Wow, that's awesome! And what is
0: this? What is this course from Australia? Um, so it's run out of Southern Australia University, and it's their class, um, kind of their their physical therapy pain class that they do. So a lot of pain science stuff is run from the NOI group, um, and just taking a look at how we can better help our patients. Some of the advanced science behind it, and really getting a advanced certificate in pain sciences.
1: Oh, that's awesome, man! Well, uh, that's cool. Uh, do you think you're going to get an, uh, an Australian accent by the end of this? <laughs>
0: I'll be working on that, mate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Sounds like you've been uh, very busy hanging out there in California, enjoying the sun.
0: Absolutely. So, now, Bob, you've been spending some time down in Texas, is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I just came back. Um, I came back July 1st, so today's July 9th. Um, I, I spent nine weeks down in Texas. And. and like, I knew it was going to be hot, but I didn't know it was going to be, like, 100 degrees every single day.
0: Oh, dude, it's brutal.
1: Yeah, well, this was, even in, in May, it was, like, 95 degrees, like, every day. Uh, but but I, I would say one thing about Texas heat. Uh, in my opinion, I think, like, New York City or New York heat is a little bit hotter just because it's more humid. Um, oh, and you get it. more sticky in New York, like uh, w- when you're the water. But in Austin, it's just like dry heat. It, the heat just hits you in the face, and you're just hot. But but you don't really stick. Well, I didn't really stick. Um, So, honestly, I, I would prefer Texas heat <laughs>
0: compared wow, to like sticky right. New
1: York heat.
0: Well, who um, knows? Maybe, but, maybe you'll, you'll be living down there. You never know.
1: Maybe. Probably not. But, but maybe. Who knows? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, no. So, so it, it was great. I, I was down there for um, – as you know for for my mckenzie additional training uh for for the diploma program so so it was a it was a crazy experience if you recall it's basically a 9 week one-on-one mentorship with uh what basically a mentor that's has experience in the Mackenzie method and you're down there 9 weeks you treat every single patient they kind of uh basically watch you and then kind of grill you on, on everything on how you can best improve to to achieve optimal patient care. So th- the person that I was with, the, the mentor that I was with, he is actually one of the, he's one of the big names in the McKenzie world. He, <laughs> if you and ask anybody. That, and yeah, Bob, yeah, go ahead
0: go ahead and drop his name just so we all know who we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, if anybody knows who Scott Herbali is, um, uh he, he's one of the the people that trained with Robin McKenzie back in like the 19 the, the mid 1990s so in the US uh there's still four faculty that have trained with Robin McKenzie himself and then he's still one of the four people that's actually still doing um the the mentorship for the diploma program so it wow. was it was it was great honor to uh, work with him um actually it, it was like a very stroke of luck because he stopped training students back in 2016, oh and he really? Only recently, yeah, and he only recently started back in 2021, just for chiropractors. Uh, so and Bob, chiropractors. last last time I checked, I'm curious, but I do think yeah, no. you're a chiropractor. No, no, I, I switched professions. Thing,
0: no, <laughs>
1: no. It, so what happened was um, because of COVID. Because of COVID, there was this huge backlog of people that needed to be placed. And the time of May to July was really the only time I could do the diploma program. Um, so the the institute are like, oh, we'll put you with Scott, even though you're not a chiropractor. We understand that, but <laughs> we'll put you with this guy. Uh, and this is like a kind of a one-off thing. So I was very lucky for that opportunity there. So yeah, that's a I'm now a, a chiropractor slash pseudo chiropractor <laughs> now. <laughs> But no, it was a great experience. It was a great experience. I, um, you kind of expect so Austin itself, like the state, the, the diploma site in Austin. Um, uh, let me let me just backtrack a little bit. There there are really three sites for. American citizens that they can go to. There's one in New Jersey, there's one in Austin, and there's one in Montreal that people that that U.S. citizens can go to for training for the diploma program. If you're out of the country, there's like places in Germany, uh, various places around the world. But Austin is kind of like the big hub that everybody wants to go to because the the diploma site has been there for 20 plus years.
0: Gotcha. So that's kind of in the U.S. It's one of the OG ones, one of the original ones that were they're kind of made to branch out from there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that site is actually where the, most of the diploma program, like, like where, where the curriculum was created. So like you said, the, the original OG one, um, but you expect to go there and like get beaten up. So yep. what, what I mean by that is like, they, they basically, I don't want to say like they strip you down and, and beat you with a stick.
0: <laughs> but, know, but what you're saying is is a metaphorically do.
1: Uh, I don't want to say that in, in te- yeah yeah. Basically, they they really challenge your clinical reasoning skill skills of oh okay why did you ask that question or why did you do that or why did you um, how could you have said that differently or did the patient truly understand what you were saying kind of thing. And, and lucky for me, I mean I'm, I'm very. I'm I'm a novice, so I'm very early in the game here. So I didn't have that much ego attached to me in terms I mean, of, sure. oh, I, I got to do that. I, I have a certain way of doing it. This is what how I do it, rather than, oh, let me just learn from these people. Because uh, there are people that have 10, 20 years of experience that go through this program, and some of them don't make it. And one of the biggest reasons is because their egos collide with the mentor. Um, gotcha. So I was lucky in that, that aspect in terms I was able to, to really – uh, I guess get naked, and,
0: <laughs> and truly learn. So uh, not that I, not great. that I recommend getting naked in front of patients, Bob. But um, yeah, you know I think there's something to be said for being coachable, being in that mindset of that like, you're just there to learn. You got a lot to gain out of that experience, and like anything, right? Is that what's the role of mentor at this time, and what's that nine weeks that you're choosing to sign up for? And it sounds like you got the most of this opportunity that you could, and you found the right person.
1: Yeah, no, it, it was great. It was great. Um, it, what, in, what was interesting was I, I got to travel a bit too. So the, the instructor, Scott Herbowy, he, the, the mentor, he's actually uh, a senior faculty instructor for the McKenzie Institute as well. And during my nine weeks there, he was teaching th- three different courses in three states so that they were not Texas. So what had happened was I, I started from New York City, I flew to Austin for about two weeks, then I flo- flew back to New Jersey for a course that he was teaching, or a weekend course, and then I flew back to Austin, then after another two weeks, flew back to New Jersey for another weekend course, flew back to Austin, then flew to Chicago for another weekend course, flew back to Austin, and then I finally came home. So, a lot of traveling, a lot just jam-packed in those nine weeks, but it was it was an experience <laughs>
0: that was very, I think, worthwhile. Um, so, now, Bobby, very, very, when, I, when I hear this, right, and I hear you talk about how they were asking you staring questions, they were really challenging your reasoning, you know, for me, that, in my experience, at least in fellowship, that really was the biggest difference between residency and fellowship. Because residency, for me, you know, we'd have our knowledge base, our tested, our clinical reasoning, you know, we'd talk about kind of why we did this, why we did the other thing. And that was all really important, and really good. And it's important to do that to be a great physical therapist, to have those clinical reasoning skills and to choose why you do something, your evaluative process. But then the fellowship's all about almost that subtext, right? It's like, okay, sure, you, you did that technique. But how can you ensure that that manipulation is just a little bit cleaner? How can you ensure that the question you're asking the patient is, it's you know, it's one thing for 70% of patients respond well to that, but what do you do for those more challenging patients where they're not processing it or other things are going on, and how do you ensure that the comprehension and buy-in is 100% there? And I'm just curious if you could speak a little bit more to that for what some of their mentoring techniques were for you or some of the feedback that they gave you at that time that made the difference for you.
1: Yeah, I mean, the so McKinsey's McKinsey system entity as a whole is uh, is really just – basically an assessment process, right? The, the sound reasoning process that basically you, you understand the patient, you listen to their symptomatic and mechanical basically responses from repeated movement and sustained positioning. So uh, the whole part of that is basically to, to like a t- test retest system of, okay, you, you kind of get baselines. Uh, and then based on the patterns that you listen to in the history, um, you start testing repeated movements and see if those baselines change. Okay. That's basically if they if they're a derangement, which is like a category of uh, in the McKenzie system. Um, so for the mentorship, a big part of that was just becoming very, very more, a lot more efficient in the process of getting to the answer. So what that means is, is basically okay. You have the the history taking portion and you can ask all these different questions but how many of those questions actually add to the clinical picture now sure obviously you need to build therapeutic relationship obviously you need to build rapport and some questions that you ask or or, uh, talk to the patient about they don't really add to the clinical picture but they build therapeutic alliance but some other questions are like um that just don't add anything to the picture itself. I don't know.
0: Does that make I, sense, Nick? I'm, yeah, that absolutely does. And I'm, I'm curious, right, you know, for different people listening, not knowing who our audience is exactly, for people in healthcare or otherwise, this may draw a little bit of controversy. But I'm curious and kind of relying on your lack of ego and humility here, what were some of those questions that you used to routinely ask that maybe you got feedback on that those questions weren't as pertinent anymore weren't adding to the clinical picture of diagnosis as much as you thought that it might have been.
1: Uh, yeah. So there was one <laughs> question that I
0: asked
1: um this patient. He was like, Oh, I have I have this pain here or like like you do in a movement or whatever, you do a stretch, and the patient was like, Oh, I feel some discomfort and my follow up question to that was oh, you feel that discomfort? Is it is it muscular pain or is it sharp pain <laughs> or is it dull pain? And, uh, yep. and And the mentor just looked at me and just laughed.
0: <laughs> oh, shit, that's funny, man.
1: And I was like, oh, oh God, what what just came out of my mouth? I was like, oh, my God. Because I realized that the moment it came out of my
0: mouth. <laughs> like, oh, like, am, I, am I just asking this question to buy time or is there actually clinical value to that?
1: Yeah, yeah, and and that was the the, the big point. Like, uh, are are you doing something just to do it, or because there's actually true value in it and doing it?
0: Yeah. Right? Oh, so Bob, I've, I've been you... there. I've been there so many times, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the the a question that should have been followed up with that is, is in general should have been, oh, okay, it hurts, but where where does it hurt? Right? Is it down your leg? Is it is it more central? Is it et cetera. Et cetera um so so that was actually sure you know it's for for the same
0: intention your your intention is hey can I get more information that's meaningful it's just we got to come up with better questions to make that happen
1: yeah yeah and and the more efficient you are right the less you you flounder and the more trust your your therapist or your patient thinks you have as a therapist in terms of confidence right because if you keep on in my perspective, if if you keep on like floundering in terms of oh okay I do this and then nothing happens, um, and then I start to get worried, the the patients can feel that, yeah, and then uh, it, it it just kind of there's a downward spiral after that. So,
0: <laughs> and it's one of those things where it's like you know they're they're going to follow you to an extent because well they signed up for the session they're still going to get value out of it but but where is that that full confidence and it's Oftentimes the difference between the analogy of, you know, how bears or other animals, they'll smell, smell fear in people. And they'll, they'll attack if they smell fear and they're ready to go and you've got to remain calm. Well, it's almost yeah. that same kind of thing. If they sense that, oh, wow, this therapist is afraid, you know, some patients might attack, right? But it's usually not the attacking. It's more just the skeptical, the doubting. And you've got to be able to instill that confidence.
1: Yeah. The, obviously, the, the more confident you are, the more <laughs> they should trust you, which is common sense. But uh, it's it's easier said than than
0: done in practice
1: because absolutely. Like, oh, so Bob,
0: yeah. so Bob, also yeah. another question for you. You know, you you took these nine weeks through this amazing program. That I mean, one kudos to you, right? Is it? Um, that's a big deal. How are you able to get nine weeks off work? Did you kind of quit one of your jobs? Did you go back to doing a new job? What's the situation with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So so originally I was planning on quitting my job, um, like, before I got my, at my job at the hospital. So I, I was only at, the, uh, at my job at the hospital for probably three, I, I'd say five months. So, so very, very new to the job. But my, my manager is actually uh, a, a diplomat. In MDT, so he has he's basically done through the training that I've done through, and his boss, who's the, like the senior ambulatory manager, is also um, diplomat as well. So, so they understand the value of the program itself, and then they want to encourage their clinicians to, to go through it. Um, so they were actually so makes- able
0: to keep you keep you on board during that time, and you know you were away in Texas, but you still the spot guaranteed when you came back.
1: Correct. Correct. So, so I, I took leave, I had PTO for three weeks, and um, I had PTO for three weeks. After that, it was unpaid leave, uh, but then I was able to just come back. Um, so so I'm very grateful. I'm very lucky for my position in terms of what I was able to, to get and achieve.
0: Absolutely, and, and I'm sure they knew, because by that time, you probably had everything figured out by the time you took... That job at the hospital, they probably knew you coming on that you were going to do that program.
1: Well, they knew I was going to do the program, but but they weren't sure when, and I wasn't sure oh, wow. when until like three weeks before I left.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, so um, give me one second, Nick. Uh, one second. Yep. Go ahead. Sorry about that. Not a problem. Uh, so, um, yeah, the, actually, three weeks before I was going to go, um, like I I I was originally planning on um, going to the program maybe September or or uh, November, so so later this year. Uh, but but the man so my manager's manager wanted me to do it earlier. So I I was like, oh, there's this slot. Let me see if I can even get it because yep. um, originally they said that this position was was the two slot was already filled, um, and that's how I I was able to to get, um, like like my spot with, with Scott, who's was my mentor. Uh, so that's that's what happened. It all worked out. Very lucky. Very very happy. Very excited uh, about everything.
0: Yeah, I mean... No, that's that's absolutely fantastic when it works out, Bob, and there's something for being said for, you know, diversity is always great, but also being in a company in a culture of excellence where other people have been through similar programs and they know the value of that and they can appreciate, understand the work it takes to go into that and that they're going to support you. Um, that's someplace you got to feel good about being around.
1: Yeah, no, it's... it's um, happy to be back uh, because... Uh, this this workplace, I mean, I've had three jobs as, as a physical therapy, as a physical therapist already, and, and I can say that this place has been the most uh, supportive, but also everybody's wanting to learn more. It's an environment of growth, basically, uh, which I'm very happy and excited to, to be a part of.
0: So this may uh, be an unfair question, but in the crazy, busy world of Bob Chang, what's the next step?
1: Yes, so after this program that there has uh there's the exam itself. So the exam is in uh I think November. Uh it's it's basically it's a two-day oral exam. So it's not written. It's you basically think of think of all the important people of an organization and you put them all in a room. So five of the most important people in an in organization, you put them all in a room. And you basically, there's a hat in the middle of the table. You take out a hat, and it shows a patient case. And these five people that are at the top of this organization, that know everything about the, the, the organization and system, they grill you with questions on your clinical reasoning on four different cases. That's basically the the exam. Two days. It, it's all, originally it was in person, but now it's over Zoom. Um, so that's the next step. That is the next step after that. If I were to pass that exam, or let's, let's say when I pass that exam, Nick.
0: There you go. Um, there you go. Uh, the,
1: the next is, is the fellowship that will come with uh, the, the – there's, there's a fellowship that comes after this, which is uh, another three weeks of mentoring um, that is part of the Mackenzie Institute, but the fellowship is, okay, how does the McKenzie Institute fit in with everything else?
0: Kind of. Or I'm see about it. it. Sounds like you've got a pathway ahead, of supporting environment to be in with that, and um, that can make all the difference.
1: Yeah, no, I, I am, I'm fired up. This is, uh, I'm very excited to be a my, my ultimate goal. Uh, I, I basically love the the McKenzie system, and one day I, I really hope that I can be faculty. I, um, one of the things that I've learned, being with the mentor that I was with, was uh, the importance of a of a frequent flyers, airline mileage program. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, he, God, he's a, he's a big, cause he travels so much. He's, he travels internationally to teach. He travels, um, domestically to teach. He, he basically lifetime has flown two and a half million miles on wow. single airline, which is a lot. And he was telling me every time he flies, he gets upgraded. Uh, some he sometimes he decides to just fly first class, and <laughs> he tells me all about his status. If I learned two things, it, it's um, it was about the Mackenzie system and how to successfully navigate an airline.
0: <laughs> um, well, Bob. It, it sounds like it sounds like one of those lessons were either easier than the other, but I'm glad both will come in handy for you.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I. I uh, traveling the three three courses that he was teaching, it was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed um, teaching and uh, being able to assist on the course, course with him as well as traveling. Um, it, it was really an exciting and, and fun experience for sure. So,
0: fantastic. Yeah, right. that's, that's... You, know, you, you never know. Maybe I'll look forward to uh, learning from you someday as well, taking one of your courses too.
1: Yeah, I mean it's still a long way, Nick. <laughs> it's still a long way. The the, the process of being faculty uh, t- takes at least five six years.
0: Um, oh, I'm I'm sure of that.
1: Yeah, so, so it's it's still still a long way, but I am still fired up, still pumped. Uh, but but that's that's currently where I'm at. That's currently where I'm at in terms of uh, of this program. Um, so yeah, one one more thing that I found out the last week I was there, I, I also passed my OCS. Which which is uh, the exam that I was studying for when I was talking to you um, last last podcast I think we 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 I just took the exam I think um, so that's an update on that but yeah that's a square mat right now Mitch so a lot well, of good things
0: congratulations Bob riding right the high learning a lot being constantly humbled that's you know the joy the beauty the agony but really for all the right reasons what makes our in my mind, what makes our profession great is being able to strive after something, have a different angle on it, just continuously learn, and at the end of the day, right, you get to hang out and shoot the shit with a ton of really cool patients and learn more about life from them too.
1: Yeah, that is true. I, I, I don't know, Nick. I, I also never realized how important it is to to just reflect after, um, maybe after a day or or a week of of. Patient care and patient load. If that's something that the nine weeks have taught me is, because after the, the nine weeks we have to, or every day during my nine week training we have to keep, keep track of the patients that we've seen, but also kind of reflect at the end of every week. And just that reflection process—I know we talk about this all the time—but that reflection process really allows you to grow as a clinician significantly as well. So,
0: absolutely. That's what you, and, you know it's, my, it's it's a difference yeah. between how many times do you let each rep count, right? Is, are you doing a set of weights in the gym? And sure, you're doing them, but then do you get adequate sleep? Do you get adequate nutrition? Adequate decrease of stress to actually allow the muscle adaptation to occur. And in many ways, it's very similar with everything that's going on here, is that can we allow a reflection to actually reap the benefits of the work we do?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. So, I um, I think Nick, I want to. I, I I'm curious. I want to hear more about you as well. Uh, I, I've been talking for the last fifteen minutes. <laughs>
0: oh, and I, I've I've enjoyed it, Bob, and I'm sure many people have have gained from yeah. it. And I'm sure this won't be the last. We'll talk about your transformative experience.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's uh, certainly certainly learned a lot, but but I want to hear more about. I know you're doing a lot of courses, and then the fellowship. Have you been doing getting a lot of mentoring as well in terms of the one-on-one? I, I know you you touched on it a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, 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 de- I
0: definitely, I definitely have been, Bob, and it's you know it's been really interesting. Where originally um, you know doing residency, and then fellowship, and another fellow fellowship throughout the same organization. It's been some overlap for sure, but then it's here's here's what I think. How Ithaca, we went to Ithaca College, right? And part of it was they didn't accept graduates for PT school from other universities. It was, hey, you had to go to undergrad at Ithaca so they know what the baseline curriculum is for a very basic level. They at least know what they're getting. Well, it's not that you're exempt from places here from going to fellowship, but being in house, they kind of know what you're coming after so they can help you build on each layer and each level. So for me, being from that spine fellowship and then going right into the pain fellowship is... It'll, and talk with my mentor, It's allowed them and allowed me to focus on other things because they know that, you know, of course, there's always more I can learn, always more I can refine. And I had a, a year of intensive education, not, you know, the six years that some people have had, right? So there's always sure. more to learn, always more to grow from. And there's still, you know, slight angles I can learn better and ways to um, better adapt to the patients around me and get results just a little bit quicker, too. But overall, I've got those skills fairly well honed in. I've got the way of asking questions and talking fairly well honed in. So once we've got that piece of it, now how do we take this deeper understanding about our pain system, our protective system, and all that goes into that and what that means, and how can we individually apply that to every patient? And in some ways, it's, it's extremely rewarding and extremely challenging at the same time because I've got both the uh, the benefit and the responsibility where they know, hey dude, we know the program you went through, we know exactly what's up. So don't rest, like, so you can't rest on your laurels, because we know that like, that should be automatic, that should already be there. But now it's how do we take that and combine it, combine it with everything else, we've already got some intro into the pain sciences and everything else. Um, so a lot of the mentoring, the one-on-ones, then how can you more quickly read this patient? What are their limiting beliefs? What are their, kind of fears holding them back? What are the other factors that may develop this acute pain into a potentially more chronic pain? And how do we combat that? Not only how do we combat that, but how do we combat that while looking smooth, while looking like we're not even doing as much with it? while we're looking like we're not even trying? Like the whole idea of elegance and grace, right? It's can you get something done while looking good doing it and looking like you're not even trying to work in that hard, but yet every one of your moves is very intentional. So, For me, it's like a, it's a subtle game within the game. It's how do we adapt to this person better? And so a lot of the mentoring is on these things that, you know, from an external perspective may seem very nitpicky, but I've seen how they can just, we can just really benefit from that is, you know, how do I adapt to this one person, to this one situation? And some of these patients I I might have struggled with or might have chalked it up before, well, maybe their motivation isn't quite as good or maybe this side or the other thing that. are legitimate things that can be easy to blame on external factors, and that's fine. But then how, for myself as a therapist, how can I hold myself accountable to still get the best results possible out of that?
1: Okay, yeah, interesting, interesting. Is the mentorship with different mentors as well?
0: Yes, uh, it is. From the
1: originally. Okay, wow, yeah.
0: Yes, different mentors, one-on-one. Another really enjoyable part, actually, is I get to, once every two weeks, for the day, or at least the majority of the day, I get to work with a pain management physician. Uh, he's a really cool guy. He was forced into the VA for almost 20 years. Um, and so really, uh, if you think about the VA population, right, people that come with a unique amount of experiences and the type of potential chronic pain and PTSD that people can enter your care with. So he's come with that experience, and he's just recently been brought out to our system. So getting to really come in there with him and we're basically coaching patients together. We're we'll all, all handle the physical therapy side, he'll handle the pain management side. So one patient will come in, we'll both be with them for the half hour or however long appointment that it it takes to help them out. And it's pretty cool kind of from him handling the side of, you know, pain management, medication, medical navigation, um, to different procedures, injections, blocks, even like nerve blocks and everything. But then also, how do you take more ownership of your life? How do you They've redefined your relationship with pain and what's going on. Other than for myself, handling the angle of physical therapy and movement and the understanding of movement and how we can do things and how our nervous system interacts with our immune system, our endocrine system and what the different angles we can take. And it's, it's been really great to learn from each other, honestly, where, you know, I've picked up a ton from him about what he does. So then there's been a lot of stuff in the gray area in between our realms and professions where I feel like we've learned from each other and it's been, great and humbling, picked up a few kind of tips and tricks along the way. And it just, it makes it a lot of fun, right? You get two people who are good at what they do, both striving to be better. And obviously he has far more experience, much more experience than I do and experience in different ways. It's made it really enjoyable.
1: Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Like I'm going to kind of put you on the, on the spot. What, what is the, the number one thing? And then you can ask me this for, for my nine weeks after this as well. Um, what is the number one thing that you learned basically in I think your residency, your fellowship and your second fellowship, what is the number one thing that you feel like if if you, if everything was was to kind of melt away, there's this one thing, what, what would it
0: be? Oh my goodness. That's a, uh, that's a spectacular question and a challenging question to answer. So I'm going to talk about a little bit, Bob, as I, I'll be transparent with you as I buffer that, as I kind of, process through and I <laughs> No, no, seriously and then not not to BS you at all, right? Um but I want to talk about my thinking process out loud with this is when I think through residency. I think through you know people taught me patient management skills. People taught me how to better work with patients. They taught me how to be more accurate in my diagnosis, in my testing, in my treatment, how to get good results. When people work with me in my spine fellowship, it was about a more nuanced understanding, a lot of movement science, manual therapy, assess, reassess treatment. And, you know, what are these different types of reasoning that we can do? What are um, different skills we can build up and how to ask direct better questions, questions that gain the most information? Other than the pain fellowship so far, there have been a lot of things where it's, you know, how do I better relate to this person? How do I, can I truly put myself in their shoes to live as they live? On one, on one hand, so my left hand is truly living as they live and understanding it from their perspective, while my right hand is still using all the knowledge and understanding that I have and bridging that communication into their world fully, right? So if they're in survival mode, I've got to talk to them from a perspective of, okay, you're in survival mode. In other words, I'm in survival mode here's what you need in a way of communication that can work with you in that language to help you with the situation. And here's how that relates to going forward. So as I process that, I would not have to hear that, Bob, and I'm not going to pretend like this is a perfect answer, but I think for me, out of these two and a half, three years of learning in these programs, it's how do I be direct be detailed and specific with my questioning and my thought process while being able to see both the forest and the trees From being able to see the patient's view, the, the patient's entire journey, right? If they take a, a road trip from New York to California, can I see out the entire map of where they're going? Can I take that bird's eye view from a thousand feet up, 10,000 feet up and see the pathway of where they are now? Because it's easy to get caught in the weeds but can I see the details, appreciate the details for what they are, and understand what details are important, but then take that bird's eye view at the same time to hold the bigger picture. So all that, are, those are way too many words, right? But that's, that's my synthesis right now to narrow that down even more. It's can I stand and walk with the person in front of me on their journey to provide them with the empathy, teach them the empowerment that they need, while also holding the wisdom from taking that 10,000-foot look from above and guiding them, knowing exactly where they need to go.
1: Huh. Interesting. I like that, Uh, That's, uh... So, so just to, I guess, clarify...
0: (laughs) Please, I might need it. (laughs)
1: It it sounds like you feel that you're better at doing this, or or you recognize that this is... um,
0: Great question. I I recognize that that this is the mo one of the most important things to do in helping people along their journey, and I've gotten better at that. But I'm nowhere near as good as I want to be yet. There are times when I feel like when my reasoning is really challenged, I take one of two views. I either go, okay, this is the Nick who really needs to understand all the details of what's going on, and so I get too caught up in you know seeing it each individual tree and looking at the details of that. The losing that broader picture of where the exact forest is. They're looking at all these little things. But then the other side of it, too, is that sometimes the nick comes out that's like, you know what, let's take a broader picture at where this perso- person is in their overall during their overall life. Things where, you know, I was treating a patient with the pain management doctor, and we had someone who came in um, with a lot of rib pain after a gunshot wound. And this is not an anticipated gunshot wound. I mean, those words don't make sense, but if you're in a war zone, it can be anticipated. This is something someone just literally pulled a gun up on him, Um, and the conversation became: "Listen, this bullet was an inch and a half from your heart. You shouldn't have lived through this, but here you are. You need to figure out what your life purpose is." And like saying this in a very compassionate way, but like you know, you've got a reason for still being around, and really looking at the big picture for them to give them a sense of meaning again. And so, sure. for me, it's I, re, I really feel like there is such an importance in in holding both and holding the big picture, and to give the patient's perspective because when they're in survival mode, mode they rarely some people do, but they rarely have that perspective they need. And so, I have the responsibility in holding that perspective for them and helping them to see that, while also being present with them because you no, know, some people benefit from it, but a lot of people get put off by. Someone who's just saying, oh, you need to do this and this and that, and that's the next thing. Yeah, sure, but how about a little bit of empathy and sympathy and tools to get through the, the right now, too, not just the six-month game? Sure, sure. And so I think all that, well, being present with them in the moment really allows me to address their main concern in that moment with all the knowledge. And a lot of the residencies and fellowships, you know, they, they provide me the tools and the framework to get better, at helping people with that and and finding their, their solutions and help them come up with those solutions too. Huh.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I mean that's that's a, a good Yeah, I I, <laughs> I think it's a good good uh good synopsis. <laughs> hey, hey,
0: yeah, I, 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 I like that the question, question a lot and I like the question um because it it's one that I don't feel like I've fully answered, right? And that I've got to keep he, thinking about from my side and from my perspective to find those answers and be able to, you know, continue to ask that question for myself. And that's really what a lot of good questions do. They need to be asked over and over again, but I'm also sure. going to flip that question back to you and whether you want to view it as this time throughout your last residency um, or throughout this nine week period or the combination of both, what has been yeah. the one thing that you would take away?
1: Sure. So, 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 Believe it or not, um my last week uh during my clinical, um it was it was a Thursday. I was my flight on Friday. I was gonna fly at like two o'clock on Friday. Um, on Thursday, we we normally finish the clinic around two thirty, uh three o'clock, depending on the, when patients leave. So it's like a seven to two thirty, three o'clock day. And, um, it's my last, last full night there. And Scott is like, Hey, do you want to go to the bar? I'll be drinking with my friend. So I'm like, "Ugh, oh, you know, it's two o'clock on a Thursday. Why not? Let's just go to the bars. So I go to the bars with Scott, um, sit down and meet his friend. So there's just basically two, two older guys, two old guys <laughs> and me, a young buck, um, and and his friend, I was, he was telling, I was telling him about the the program because he honestly didn't know what Scott got did, and he was like, why why is this kid with with this, 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 this older guy? <laughs> um, and the guy was like, okay, that, that's awesome. And then he took a pause and he was like, so in the past nine nine weeks, what is the number one thing you took away? Yeah, uh, that to this, you. Yeah, he asked that to me said to me what, um, what Scott being right there. So, so Scott was in the middle. We, we were at the bar. So it was me, Scott, and this guy. So in between, um, Scott, he's just like, yeah, he's been training me for this nine weeks. So he's also going to be listening. <laughs> so so yep. I better have to have a good answer on the spot right there. Uh, but but because I, I was kind of reflecting over like, every day kind of thing, I kind of already knew what I was going to say. Um so it's kind of in line with what you were talking about as well, Nick. Um, but, but for me, the you come out of an exam room or you come out of an exam or a treatment, and the the biggest takeaway for me was, okay, you, you have to ask yourself once you're finished with the treatment, once you're finished with the exam, or or even during the exam, okay, what is – the the big thing going on here. Um, So Scott, he would talk to me about when he was training with Robin McKenzie and not to sound like, Oh, I'm I'm just following like this guru's thing. And then it has to be this way from this guru because this, this person said that, I mean, it's a, a, the McKenzie system is an evolving system that are based on principles, but it does uh, change with the research as well. Then does, does adapt with the research. Um, but when Scott was training with Robin McKenzie himself, Scott would do the exam, yada, yada, yada. And we come out of the room and Robin McKenzie would ask Scott, okay, what is the essence of this patient or what is the essence of the issue right here? And basically what, what is the, the big overarching issue for that patient right now? And instead of focusing on, um, the, the little things that, sure, the, you, you can focus on, like, for example, the, they, they have a little loss in motion kind of thing. What What is the big thing they're here for? What, what is their biggest overarching complaint? Um, and really making sure that, that you address that, because if you don't address the essence of the issue, you're going to lose the patient, but, which I think is, is similar to, to what you were talking about, trying to really put yourself in the patient's shoes in terms of, okay, what are they going through? But but also, why are they here? Kind of
0: thing. Yeah.
1: Um, that was my big big takeaway in terms of uh, the nine weeks, just really worrying about the big stuff rather than the tiny stuff. So, so I, I said this to the guy um, at the bar and Scott was like, yeah, you basically want to focus on the big rat in the room rather than the little fleas. And I was like, Oh, yeah, there we go. And he was like, he was was, was drinking already, so uh, that is basically, that was was my big takeaway.
0: I like it, Bob. You know, it's it's funny, we go through these programs and sometimes we we I don't want to say over-glorify them because they are important and they are, you know, it's huge. The difference between going through situations like this and not, it does make a world of a difference, at least from my perspective and from many others I've interacted with. At the same time, it's It is funny how so many of it can get, it's a lot of situational training, but the big truth, the big essence of what's going on is we can boil that down just to to good life wisdom and having an understanding of people in general. And it really does come down to a lot of things of, you and I have said this before, but the better person I am makes me a better physical therapist too. And those things do go hand in hand. You can't ever, you can't fully separate it
1: yeah i mean this is probably, you're like like you said this is common sense
0: <laughs> right
1: but 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 it's it's uh common sense doesn't mean it's commonly used or, or common and sense.
0: and it, and it, it's a translational skill, right it's like you can say a similar thing while being an electrician just because you say that doesn't mean I know how to do the work of a skilled master electrician right you don't want you don't want me to be the one to do that but you do want me being the one to do that as a physical therapist. And so it's one thing to say it, but then how do you apply this to all the different nuanced situations that go around you? And that's really where the training comes in.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Nick, it, it's been, I think, 40 minutes since we started this podcast. It, it felt like two for me, two minutes for me. <laughs> I,
0: a lot, Bob, I really enjoyed it. Really for good. sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, uh, my goal last time, I remember this, was, was to, Get, get on the podcast and talk to you again. So so here we are. I accomplished that. Right.
0: Well done. It took us a while, but uh, that's on me too. Well done. And I remember my goal was to finish the prep for my presentation and um, have that already. And I got that already, delivered it. It went great. It was an enjoyable time. And that's all behind us now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope we we get to do this a lot more. I, I, I don't know. Maybe we could talk about how, uh, we can make this a little bit more structured in terms of actually doing, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> something in terms of maybe like patient cases or because uh, we have we we have a lot of vast book knowledge. Like, like you, you you've gone through so much training, um, and and I've gone through a, a bit of training, but we don't have that much quote unquote real world experience as somebody else that that has like twenty years of experience. But but we have a, a bit of a book knowledge, and I think for the, what's interesting is that. My book knowledge is, is a bit different than your book knowledge um, sure and i and I would be curious to see like if we were have to have a case together, like if we were to talk about a case, oh, what would we do differently, How would we approach it differently I, I think that would be interesting i I don't know if that's something you're interested in Nick let's um, do it.
0: I think you know let's um on some future podcasts, we can talk off air about when and how, but actually, what we should do, Bob, let me know what you think about this is either I'll bring a case to the table or you'll bring a case to the table. And just for the sake of authenticity, neither of us will have um, shared the case with each other yet. Whereas we'll just present it. This will be the first time we'll hear it. And, you know, this won't necessarily be about, oh, I'm Nick, and I did this, that, and that, but really present the case to you and see, okay, at this stage, where would you take it? At this stage, where would you take it? Um, And just kind of walk each other through that, just your thought process and reasoning for everything behind that.
1: Sure, and and I assume this is a real case.
0: <laughs> that that would that, that would be correct. We would do that for... Yeah, I mean, you could make it up if you wanted to, but I think we've got enough experiences out of real case to make it even more vivid and fun. Yeah,
1: yeah, I um, it, it'll be interesting because I I'm I don't want to make assumptions, uh, but but I think our our reasoning process will be a little bit different. But yep. there are many ways to to skin a cat, and yeah, we I try our
0: enjoyable for each of us, right? You know, there will be different reasoning, different methodologies, but, you know, what a good time to compare, contrast, not that one is better than the other, but that they're just – they're different and, you know, seeing what kind of conversation brews based on that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, at uh, the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned um, getting naked and stripping our, my ego, and I feel like that's part of the podcast as well, right? That's, that's just – Manifesting a mindset. (laughs) All right, Nick, I think that's pleasurable. Let's let's make it – let's see what we can do.
0: All right, Bob, I'm looking forward to the next time making something happen.
1: All right, Nick, it it was a pleasure talking to you today.
0: Bye, Bob. Stay strong, man.
1: All right. Yep, take care.